All right, we're going to talk about volunteers a little bit today. Acts chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, we'll read verses 1 through 7, where the church had a crisis. They needed volunteers. They needed people to step up, and sure enough, they did. Many believe this is the genesis, the very inception of what we know today as the diaconate ministry or the deacon ministry. And I just want you to know, I I enjoyed watching that. Um, I laughed just like you laughed, but I have no ax to grind. I am so grateful for our volunteers. Thank y'all. I love you. Thank you so much. Y'all are a blessing. (laughs) Oh, that is funny. I'm just, oh, mercy. And thank you for the worship. Wow, that was such a good time of worship. Thank you. Um, Sweet, sweet time with the Lord. Uh, We're in our study in the book of Acts. My name is uh, Danny Forshee, pastor here at Great Hills, and delighted to uh, be your Bible teacher, pastor, and to take you through uh, the entire book of Acts, all 28 uh, chapters, many verses. And so we're in chapter 6 today. Just love the church. I love what God is doing in our church and really all over uh, the great city of Austin, great state of Texas, North America, and the world. You know, the church of Jesus Christ is that one institution, that organism, that living vital movement that is guaranteed to succeed. And not just to uh, survive, as I was praying a moment ago, but to thrive. And you say, well, how how do you know that? How can you make that bold statement? Because in Matthew 18, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're a part of a winning movement. Uh, Your team may have lost yesterday, but God's team always wins, and that is the team of His church. And so we're in Acts chapter 6, love the church, and I want to read to you uh, this church in Jerusalem, some of these amazing things God was doing there. We pray that He does them here as well. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was barely getting by, is that what it says? I'm sorry, as the number of the church was adding one another, is that what it says? You know, there's a, there's a really a difference in mathematics between addition and multiplication. And this church was multiplying, I mean exponentially growing from the 12 to the 120 to the 5,000, and now some believe it could be upward of 250,000 believers in AD 34. So when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Whenever you see the word Hellenists, maybe you hearken back to your history classes in school, that that would simply be Greek-speaking Jews. The Hebraist would be Hebrew-speaking Jews, but the Hellenist would be Greek-speaking Jews. And there, there arose this contention because their widows, the widows of the Hellenists, were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, first time you'll see this in Luke-Acts, that the apostles are referred to as the twelve. The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. By the way, it's the first time you'll see the word disciples in Acts. The disciples, and they said, it is not erestos, it is not desirable, it is not good that we as the apostles would leave the Word of God and serve tables. Serve, diakonos is the word there. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, whom we, the apostles, may appoint 
over this kriya, this, this business, this urgent necessity or need that is erupted upon the early church. So here, we, here you go, apostles, we can't neglect the teaching, preaching of the Word of God. There's, the church is expanding and growing. There's a real need. There's a crisis. And so let's get some folks who will rise up and meet the need. But we, talking about the apostles, will give ourselves continually to two things, to prayer and to the diakonos or the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Now that's a miracle. When you can do something that everybody is pleased in church, that, that borders on the miraculous. But everybody was pleased. And they chose, and here they go, they're going to choose these seven. They chose Stephen, a man who was full, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. And they chose six more deacons, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, or Timon, Parmenius, Parmenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte. When you say that word proselyte from Antioch, a proselyte would be a Gentile who is converted to Judaism. And now this Gentile who's converted to Judaism has now converted to Christianity. And the next thing you know, he's a deacon and a leader in the church whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, I love that, the emphasis seems like it's always on prayer before action in the New Testament church. After they prayed, they laid hands on them. Some of you, when we do deacon ordinations, you go, why do y'all put your hands on those men? Why? Is that even biblical to lay hands on them? Well, there it is. And that's exactly where we get it. When we ordain brand new deacons or ministers of the gospel, we put our hands on them just to show our love and our support, just like the 12 did for these seven. Now watch what happened. Then, that's such a key word. You know, things were going well, but then there was a problem. But instead of pushing the problem underneath the rug, they, they looked at the problem, they analyzed it, they implemented a solution, and now the blessings come. Now the word of God spread and the number of the disciples for the fourth time, guys, guys and gals, the fourth time in seven verses, the word multiplication or a derivative of the word multiply is used. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now that's a miracle. And that's what happens when, when church is done the way God wants church to be done. Pastors teaching, preaching the Word of God and praying. Uh, deacons and volunteers, men and women of God, called of God from the church who are using their spiritual gifts of teaching, administration, and giving and serving. And so what you see here in the church of Jerusalem is a beautiful template. It's a beautiful model for the way church uh, should be in every subsequent generation from the first church there in Jerusalem until today. I, I love the church. I, I'm just, I just enjoy our church and also enjoy visiting other churches on occasion to go and, and, and teach or preach. And I was with a guy this Monday, got up at 3.30, flew real fast over to Kentucky and preached that night and came back on Tuesday. And, and I went to a world famous city called Corbin, Kentucky, C-O-R-B-I-N. You say, now why is Corbin, Kentucky world famous? Well, I met this guy, I wanna show you his picture. And this is why Corbin, Kentucky is world famous. Do y'all have that? Do you have it loaded up? Is something coming up behind me? There it is. Do y'all recognize this guy? 
Colonel, Colonel Sanders is from Corbin, Kentucky. And I, I've, after I preached, I went to his first restaurant. They have it preserved. It's amazing. Right there, you think, what, what in the world is in Corbin, Kentucky? But also what's there is Central Baptist Church. Central Baptist Church is led by a man of God by the name of Chad Fugit. Chad is 38 now. He's 40 years of age. Two years ago, he was diagnosed with a massive brain tumor right here on the left side of his brain. He underwent surgery for seven hours at Duke University. Dr. Alan Friedman, really the Tom Brady of neurosurgeons. And this is what they told him. They said, now, Pastor, we want to go ahead and tell you this and just prepare you that during the surgery, we're going to wake you up and talk to you. While your skull is laid open and your brain is exposed, we're going to have a conversation with you. You okay with that? He's like, you got to be kidding. The brain has no nerves. You can't, you can't feel it. And so sure enough, during the operation, they were like, uh, so I understand your, your church. And they would say something about his church. And he'd say, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And so he was reasoning and dialoguing. And so they were making sure that they were taking out what should be taken out the tumor, size of a golf ball, by the way, and leaving what they should leave. And to hear his story and the way the church, he's been there about seven or eight years, the way the church just rallied around him. I mean, and the, and the church just came together. You know, crisis has a way of doing that. When, there's a, when a crisis comes, the church can do one of two things. They can abandon and they can leave or, or they can desert or they can say, let's come together and let's, let's pray and let's, let's see what we can do to ameliorate the situation, to make it not worse, but to make it better. And so I just loved hearing his story and how God just really galvanized that pastor and those people. And now he's 40 years of age, he's bald-headed, he's got a scar that goes about from here all the way back around over to here, but he has zero uh, cancer cells. I mean, God has done an amazing thing in Chad's life. And it was just so fun to be there and to, and to hear the stories. And this story today is so amazing because it's a true story. And the church, you know, they've experienced a lot already, right? When they've experienced persecution at the hands of the Sanhedrin. Remember last week how they were beaten? They were, they were beaten because of their faith. They've experienced uh, what we would call greed and corruption with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And now they experience what you would call dissension or disagreement. And so what will they do? How, how will they respond to it? And there are really three ways that they respond. Uh, first of all, they're going to recognize what the problem is. And that's always important, isn't it? To understand or recognize the problem. Number two, they're going to implement the solution, a great solution. And number three, they're going to rejoice over the blessings of God. So as I was thinking about this sermon, I thought not only is this true in what happened corporately in the church in Jerusalem in the first century, but those principles, those salient features of what happened then really has application for us today, whether it's our family, whether it's our business, whether it's our sports team, or whether it's our church, or whatever institution or organism, if there is a problem, we identify it. Number two, you implement the good solution, and then you recover and you rejoice over, over the victories that are won. So first of all, let's look at this, this problem, understanding the problem. The early church, it says in verse 1, there arose in the, in the days when the disciples were multiplying, there arose a gogusmos. Now in verse 1, <laughs> that Greek word is what you would call an onomatopoeia. Y'all remember that in grammar in school? An onomatopoeia 
is like a hissing snake. It sounds like it actually is. And I can't say the word gugusamos and think, oh, that is a pleasant thing. Gugusamos sounds bad because it is bad. It is a, it means to murmur. It means to complain. It means to be angry, to be upset. You say, but wait a minute. I thought, I thought the church was immune to that kind of stuff. I didn't think anybody complained or got upset in church. I thought everybody loved God and everybody loves one another. No, no, the truth of the matter is complaints arise. People get their feelings hurt or they feel offended, neglected, and so and, and it arose. And you know when somebody's offended or adversely affected is because they will grumble or they will complain. Now, some of it's legitimate, I get that. And some of it's not. And so they had to realize, okay, well, what is going on here? There arose this complaint or this gogusamas. And it's between these two entities of people. And I want to make sure you understand who they are. The Hellenist, they come from all over the known world. They have converted out of Greek mythology or the Greek gods and goddesses, and they have followed the monotheism of Yahweh and Judaism. And they have made their pilgrimage to the Passover. Remember, this is only a few weeks removed from Passover and Pentecost, and these pilgrims have come. <laughs> Watch this. But as they made their way to Jerusalem, there were some zealous Jewish people who were proclaiming that the Old Testament Messiah had actually come and died and risen from the dead. And everybody who believes in this Jesus of Nazareth, then they are saved and they are on their way to heaven. And these Hellenists said, well, I'm not going back home. I'm hanging out with these people. And so that's what they did. And so Jerusalem now is burgeoning. It's, it's blossoming. It's growing. And then you also have Hellenist, Greek-speaking Jews who live in Jerusalem. And so they are all there together. And I tell you, the church is growing. And you have the Hebraist or the Hebrew-speaking Jews. But what happened was the Hellenist felt that they were being neglected or their widows were being neglected. And interesting, in a moment, the seven people who were chosen are all Hellenists. I thought that was interesting. All seven of the deacons chosen were from the neglected party. It's almost like y'all recognize there's a problem and we're going to task you. This is the apostles, the, the, the pastors talking. We're going to task you to work this out because there's an issue here. And if, if we don't work this out and this complaining, this groaning and moaning, gogusamasing, if it keeps on going, and then, then we're going to have to leave the preaching of the word and the study of the word and the praying, and we're all going to have to get involved. Hey guys, y'all can do this. Let's, let's work this out. And so they're understanding that there is a significant division, strife. And so, you know, this happens. It happens in our homes. And when it happens in a marriage, when it happens in raising children, the absolute worst thing we can do is, is just say, well, it'll just go away. It won't go away. Usually it metastasizes. Think about thinking of cancer. If you don't remove, if, it, if the doctors did not remove that mass, then that, that thing had already grown to the size of a golf ball. The next thing you know, it's going to be the size of a baseball and his life is going to be. So you got you to understand what's going on before you can move any, any further. That happens in homes, happens in businesses. Do you know that? You sure you know that. You know that better than I know that. You have a wayward employee or a wayward supervisor or somebody on the sales force is creating so much more havoc and harm than he is good. And you're the leader, you're the president, you're the CEO, you're the boss. What are you going to do? It doesn't matter. 
He'll, he'll come around. It'll be fine. And, and, and he just continues to, to disseminate this venom in your company. You're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let that uh, happen in our, in our businesses, in our sports teams. And <laughs> unless you're the NFL, whatever, they, they'll, let that, they'll let that happen. And finally, you got you to deal with it. If you don't deal with the problem, you're going to exacerbate the problem and it's going to end up hurting everybody. So there's got to be courage. There's got to be boldness. There have to be leaders who will step up and say, here's the problem. Now, here's the solution. And here's the solution, number two. So let's implement it. The 12 apostles did not wait. They did not wish the problem away, but they addressed it. They said, it's not a rest time. It's not good or seemly. It's not agreeable that we should leave the scriptures, leave the word of God and serve tables. For the word serve here is very interesting. It is the word diakonos. It's diakonian. It's where we get the word deacon. Now, it wasn't until AD 195, an early church father who recognized, who, who actually said, that's deacons. But the word is, the English that we have, it's not used, but the Greek, I think is already, I've counted like three times. Same word used in 1 Timothy 3, where it talks about the qualifications of the diaconate or the, or the deacon. And so they have been tasked. They have been selected and chosen to promote unity because there was disunity. And they were called to help these pastors, help these preachers because they needed help and they needed to serve. There was a real need there and somebody really had to step up and say, we will take care of, we will take care of this. I have a quote, or I did, I, I was looking for it. It must have fallen out. I had a quote here in my Bible. Let's see if I can find it. I can't find it. But it, it, it said these words and it was from a, a pastor named John MacArthur and I, I love this quote so much I kept it in the leaflet of my Bible until I lost it, but here it is. The dominant thrust of my ministry, the dominant thrust of my ministry therefore is to help make God's living word come alive to his people. Wow, I feel the same way. Um, I have very few gifts and abilities outside of what I'm doing this morning. And so why, why would I try to superimpose my lack of ability in taking care of situations that you can do far better? <laughs> or staff and deacons and connect group leaders and committees and others who can, who can do, say, hey, pastor, you do what you do, let us do what we do. That is a good word. Y'all ever heard that before? Do what you do and let other people do what they do, empower them. And that works so well. The principle works so, so well. This pastor also said, Dr. MacArthur, the apostles knew that their priority was praying, preaching, teaching, studying the word. They would let nothing, however pressing, distract them from their duties. Those whom God has called to the ministry of prayer and the word, they must make it their priority. Delegate, empower others to lead. It's, it's a beautiful thing, right? I love delegation. The more, the older I am and the more I'm in the ministry, I'm like, amen, thank you, Lord, for delegation. Let other people lead, let them serve. They do a much better job than I do anyhow. Let them use their spiritual gifts and the end result will be the prosperity and the regrowth, if you will, of, of the church. And so you have this model that really this beautiful template it's, it's, it's really a lesson on leadership. I called the sermon the way church ought to be, but really it's a lesson on leadership. 
Recognize there's a problem. Don't push it under the rug. Step up, have courage, have boldness, pray. You saw it, they prayed and they prayed and then the Lord gave them a solution and then they began to implement it. Who are these people that they chose to implement the solution that seemed good to the church? Well, here it is. They chose men with the following characteristics or qualifications. If you're taking notes, we have this on our app, our church app. We have it there in the bulletin. You can look at the worship guide. You can jot these down. Who knows? One day you may be preaching or teaching from the book of Acts and you, you may need an outline. And so here, take mine. Number one is they had to have a good reputation. Martureo is the Greek word. And I find that very interesting in verse three. Therefore, brethren, brethren's the church, seek out from among you. Did y'all see that? The leaders were in the church. These are men who have demonstrated by their lips and their lives that they are consistent. They are men of good reputation. They are men of integrity. And those are the men that are going to be chosen. And check this out. Their names are listed. How would you like your name to be forever recorded in the annals of time in the Word of God in a positive way, not in a Ananias, Sapphira, pejorative way? They, they, they call their names out. Stephen. And then, then the rest of them. Being from Alabama, I can't pronounce all their names well, but you get, the, you get the idea. They had a good reputation. By this, I mean they were honest men, men of integrity. integrity. I think these are men who did not seek the office, but the office sought them. Do y'all know the difference? There's a big difference. I, I love when our deacon leadership, we're starting, I think today, we're starting to look and to listen and to hear from you as you recommend people. It's so fun watching some guys who serve and they don't think anybody's watching them, but we're watching them. And as they serve without any, I'm not trying to serve to impress anybody. I'm not trying to be chosen as a deacon. I'm just, there's a need here. There's trash that needs to be picked up or there's tables that need to be served or there's somebody in the hospital that needs to be visited and you just do it. And here's the thing, when you're not seeking the office, it's amazing how the office will seek you. So just being faithful, good reputation. Number two, they're full men. Full men. You say, what do you mean by full? Do they eat too much fish and loaves and bread and stuff? No, another kind of fullness. A threefold fullness, if you will. Number one, they were full of the Holy Spirit. Did y'all see that in verse three? Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that look like? Can I, can I help you with this just a moment? Because you may be asking, what, what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So much so, it's so conspicuous that even the apostles and the leadership would see your fullness and they would, they would isolate you and select you to help out with the ministry of the church. Here's what it looks like, Jesus. <laughs> That's what it looks like. All the fruit of the Spirit personified in Jesus Christ, love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All nine, all nine fruit of the Spirit operative in your life, just like it was operative in Jesus' life. And you're like, well, that's pretty easy. That, that guy, he looks like Jesus. He acts like Jesus. He talks like Jesus. Let's ask him to help. And that fullness of the Spirit, that person is winsome, they are kind, they are bold. They just look a lot like our Lord. 
And so they just bubble up. He's like, oh, pick him. Pick him. Let's pick him. Number two, they are full of wisdom. Verse three, find out guys that are filled with the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. One writer says he believes the fullness of wisdom is reflected in the skill of administration. I thought that was interesting. They have wisdom. How do you get wisdom? James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, hello, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. If you want to increase your wisdom exponentially, I would recommend to you every day, men and women, every day, read a chapter out of the literature of wisdom. It starts with a P and it ends with an S. Proverbs, that's right. Proverbs, every day, read a chapter. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. By humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and peace and life. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see a man who excels in his work, he will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You say, where did you get all that, Brother Dane? From Proverbs chapter 22. How did you quote all that, Brother Dane? Fifteen years I've been reading it. It's amazing. When you read something that much, you start, it just kind of oozes out of you. You just kind of quote it. So you want wisdom? Read the literature of wisdom. And then watch this. When a task comes and the church needs you, it just comes naturally to you. I love, I love men and women of wisdom. And they just, they look at a situation. They don't freak out or panic. They analyze it. They evaluate it, and then they implement the change that, that needs to happen. Number three, they were full of faith. Did y'all see that one in verse five? And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. Oh, faith. Full of faith. Like Stephen. Not negative or worried, but you just believe God. James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For anybody who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, full of faith. Don't you love people like that? There's a problem and, and they say, yeah, that's a problem, but it's, no, it's, it's not the end of the world, pastor. We got this. Come on now, we can figure this out. And we put our minds together and we'll work this thing out and, and God, be, God be praised. You just get back to studying the word of God and preaching and praying like you need to. We'll take care of this issue. We'll make sure that the Hellenists, that their widows are well taken care of. This is our church, pastor. We're thrilled to be here at the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem, amen? And we're gonna work it out. We're in a Baptist church, I know. You just got to stay. You stay with me and work with me. Who were these guys? Well, they were men of good reputation. They were full men, full of wisdom, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, watch this. They were what I call here problem solvers. They were problem solvers. In verse three, the apostle said, we need men that we can appoint over this Kriya, kriya, this Greek word, interesting word. It's translated business, but you think business like I think business. You think of a corporation, a business. Try to get that out of your mind. That's, that's not what the word is here. The word here, kriya, means necessity or problem or need. And so if there's a problem and a need, we need problem solvers. And the apostles needed problem solvers and not problem makers. 
Now watch this. They could not ask people who complained because that was the issue they had to address. Does that disqualify you, by the way? Are you disqualified from ministry in the church because you go gusamos? You said, oh, what was that word again? What does it mean? Go gusamos means to complain, to fuss, never satisfied, upset, arguing. And then you go, and nobody asked me to do anything around here. Well, I wonder why, you know? So they had to ask people who were a positive spirit, a good attitude, because they had to dive into the pool of criticism and complaint. Can you imagine them diving in and going, yeah, I don't like this either. I mean, what are these apostles doing? What are these preachers? All they doing is praying over there, preaching. Hey, I'm going to go over here and take care of this with it. No, 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 no. You don't ask people like that. You ask people who are full of God, full of faith, full of wisdom, problem solvers, not problem makers, saying, hey, we got this. We got this. I'm so grateful to God. We got a bunch of them folks here in Great Hills Baptist Church. I'm praising them. I'm so grateful. And I know you are. And I see your names. Your bunch of you came up here on the stage last week with me. And I appreciate you greatly. So the seven men were chosen, all Hellenist, not to make the problem worse, to exacerbate it, but to alleviate it. You may be asking... Okay, so I get they're implementing the solution. They're taking care of the need. What, what is it again you're doing? What, what, what were the apostles doing that, that they said they, what was so important that they said we cannot desist and cease from doing this? And what was that? It's preaching the word. So what's so hard about that? You only work one day a week anyhow. Come on, give me a, give me a break. I mean, what's so hard about preaching? One, there's a lot to it, isn't there? To preach, you have to prepare. Because if you don't prepare, you're not going to really have anything of substance to preach. And it dawned on me, and preacher, I know you appreciate this, that the thing that God commissions and calls us to do more than anything else is to pray and to prepare things that you never see. Isn't that interesting? You don't see me doing it, but you sure know if I'm not doing it, right? If I get up here and him haul around, how y'all doing? Hey, let's talk about the ball game some more yesterday for 30 minutes. Let's talk about whatever. Nope, no. Preach the word, brother. Preach the word of God. Let the word of God go forward. And you can't do that unless you're studying it and memorizing it and praying and fasting over it. Things that nobody ever sees but God. And let God be praised. And, and that's what the apostles said. We cannot compromise on this. We must. As the prophets of old and the preachers of old, we must pour over the scriptures and, and let the word of God just saturate us. Let us meditate on it and pray over it. Please, please let us do this. And you please, please do that. You say, okay, well, what if we did that? What would it look like? Well, it's multiply, 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 multiply. It happens. It's God's way of doing church. It's not... I didn't create this, but I'm just grateful to God that he did. He gave, us an he gave us a beautiful example if we will read it, study it, and put it into practice. The temptation is always very valid for me to come off of the wall of prayer and preaching and attend to other things. And I, and I get that, and, and I know churches that are smaller, and oh, man, it's hard. I, I pastored churches that are really small. I was, I was everything. I mean, I would go in and turn the lights on on Sunday morning, turn the air conditioner on, the heat on. If there was a need, 
the pastor, where's the preacher? Where's the pastor? And the church began to grow and double and grow and grow. And I was like, whoa, I gotta, I gotta have some help. If I don't have help, I'm gonna wear myself out and neglect what I should, what I should be doing. And so I get it, people, even in large churches like ours, they say, well, there's a need, where's Brother Danny? Let's get him, get him on the phone, get him on the email. Come on, let's tell him. And it's so funny because I'm like, if you only knew how little I know, you wouldn't ask me, you, you would ask Ross. Ross knows so much more about that. In fact, he will help you far, but yeah, but Ross is not the pastor. You're the, you're the top dog, you're the man in charge. I think that says more about you than you realize. I need to see the man. I'm, I'm the man and I need to see the man. Let me tell you something, that's pride. You need to see the guy that, that can help you, the student pastor or the children's minister. Now, I can do that. And by the way, I can do that. I used to do that. But what happens if I do that and not do what you really called and commissioned me to do, it's going to hurt me and it's going to hurt you. So we, we get that. I think we know that. Most of us do. Amen. What's the, what's the outcome? What's the result of all of this? Well, the church deteriorated. They split. They fell apart. Oh, please pray for the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. No. And just the antithesis of that. I mean, the church just exploded. They, I call it enjoy the blessings. They laid their hands on them. They dedicated them. And then, here's what happens. Y'all see this? Then it happens again. Then the word of God spread, number one. Then the number of disciples multiplied, number two. Then many priests were saved, number three. Isn't that cool? You say, well, how did that happen? Well, all the other that we led up to it, right? They understood the problem. They implemented the solution. The preachers went back to preaching and praying, and the deacons and the people got out to serve. And number one, the word of God spread. I love that. Mm. Please. You today that are listening, and many of you will listen to this podcast, many of you will watch us on the internet, please, whatever church you're part of, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We got lots of problems. We got lots of problem people. Don't be one of them. Number two, the number of the disciples multiplied. Fourth time, the word multiplication is used, not just addition, but multiplication. Exponential. The church is just it's growing. How would you like to hear Peter preach, by the way? Come on. What if Brother John, the Apostle John, had a Monday night Bible study in your house? I mean, come on. That's what they did. These preachers, these pastors, these apostles, man, they are preaching. They are teaching and they are praying and probably fasting and seeking the face of God. And, and the small groups are just burgeoning and they are meeting needs and they're taking care of one another and they're helping one another and they're making things right. And man, church, church can be good. It, it can be good. It can be fun. It can be joyous. And many, many are coming into the kingdom. Even priests are coming into the kingdom. How about that? The dynamic equivalent of that would be Muslim imams and Hindu holy men Come into faith in Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. Well, Buddhist monk, it's very rare that a Buddhist monk will come. Let me tell you something. Buddhist monks get saved when the church of Jesus Christ is being the church of Jesus Christ. Many priests confess faith in Jesus Christ. This is a, this is a benefit, a blessing of the church. Oh, I love the church. I, I'm a, I was talking to somebody this week, and it's so cool. 
and I'm not going to say his name, but he, he knows who he is. I, he, he told me, he said, he said, Pastor, I still believe the greatest hope for mankind is the church. That's so good. Do you believe that? Do you believe the greatest hope for mankind still is the church of Jesus Christ? I do. I really, really do. You think about the Red Cross. I think about Samaritan's Purse. I think about the Southern Baptist Convention, the disaster relief, all these billions of dollars. If the church, talking about the greeters and the ushers, if everybody was pulled out of the church, what if those entities was pulled out of the world? You're talking about chaos. You know more benevolence, more charitable, humanitarian. If the church of Jesus Christ was not on the scene, it would be absolute chaos. But we're the hope of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Be salt, be light. But it's imperative. In order for us to do that, we have to be in a good way. We have to love one another. We got to be in fellowship with one another. When problems arise, delegate, take care of it the way they did. Get back to doing what we need to be doing and watch. Watch God do what only God can do. How about you? Are you, are you a churchman? I love that word. Are you a churchwoman? Say, this is my church, and I love my church. I know my church is not perfect. Well, first thing, Pastor, you're not perfect. And I so we're not a perfect church. I get that. Amen. But we're together, right? We're unified. More unified than I've ever seen our church, um, which I praise God for that. Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? If you do, then praise God. Come on, get in this church or go to some. There's some great churches in the city. I'm, I'm working with these pastors, having a great time. We're locking arms and, man, we are praying. We're about to jump into the spring with this amazing uh, spiritual awareness campaign. I can't wait to see Great Hills as a catalyst, as a part of this. And, and listen, if it's not here, find some place. Here it is. Teach and preach the Word of God that handles situations the way this church was handling situations and using your gifts and your abilities uh, to help. You say, well, I'm, I'm the Gogusimas, Brother Dan. I just I can't help it. Just can't help it. It just wells up in me, Brother Dan. I just can't help it. It, it starts down in my toes, and I, I get upset, and it just... I just, just got to tell it like it is, Brother Dan. I, I got to grumble. It's my spiritual gift. Man, <laughs> you need another gift. You need some gift of joy, man. You, ma'am, you need some gifts of, of, of fruit of the Spirit kind of gifts where you, you grumble, you know, it starts to grumble and you're just, I'm just going to take this to the Lord. And I'm going to pray to the Lord about this. And then if I've got an alt with my brother, I'm going to go to my brother and my sister and we're just going to let the Lord take care of it. And that's, that's the way they did it and that's the way we're doing it. I'm grateful to God. Let's pray together and have our invitation and get out a minute early. What in the world is going on? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the book of Acts. We thank you for Great Hills Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for the men and the women that comprise this church, for the staff, for the deacons, for the connect group leaders, to the committees, to the ushers, to the greeters, the first impression teams, for the musicians, for those that work way behind the scenes that nobody sees. Thank you, Lord, for all the people in this church. We love our church. God, we're excited about what you're doing. We thank you for the word of God that gives us encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that your word convicts us too. It, whew, it, it, it hurts sometimes. 
But Lord, just like that brain surgeon, he, he had to do surgery in order for that pastor to be better, then we sometimes have to have surgery. We have to have some things removed and some things repaired. So Holy Spirit, would you do that? I, I am not good at that. I, I can't convict anybody of anything. I can't convert anybody to something. I can't. I, Lord, I am totally dependent on you. You said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit, for apart from me or without me, you can do nothing. But Lord, with you, we can do all things. Lord, I pray as I prayed earlier in the service. I'm praying for joy and peace. I'm praying for people that are struggling today and maybe there's disharmony in the home or there are some difficulties in the business and the finances and maybe things, Lord, just aren't working the way they thought they would work out. I pray for them today. I Certainly not omniscient, don't, don't know all the details, but God, you do. And I'm just praying for them. That's what I'm supposed to do, Lord. I, and I'm, I'm excited that I get to pray for them. So, Lord, we pray even now that you would add to your church. May Great Hills Baptist Church, Lord, may we multiply here and there and everywhere. God, help us be unified. Help us to continue to grow and reach people with the good news of the gospel. Lord, we need you. I need you, Lord. I, I, I confess, admit it before our people how utterly absolutely dependent I am upon the spirit of the living God so Lord fill me fill our church Lord even now during the invitation I pray there'd be just a spirit of peace and unity would permeate our church and that we would encourage one another and love on each other pray for one another that we would be healed for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails so very much and this is our prayer in Jesus name and all God's people said Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing a song of praise to the Lord. We do invite you. We, we, if you're new to Great Hills, let me just share with you just briefly what, what we do here at this time of the service. I know some traditions don't have a public altar call. We still do. We're going to continue to do it. We just open it up for you to come. You want to pray? Somebody will pray with you. If you don't want anybody praying with you, say, just leave me alone. <laughs> just leave me alone. I'm going to the altar. Because if you don't do that, somebody's probably going to jump on you, right? We're going we're gonna to probably come to you. That's just the way church is here. Somebody said, somebody was telling them, it was a guest. Y'all got to check this out. This is funny. I shouldn't be real funny before the invitation. I'm not real funny anyhow. So let me, let me just tell you what. A guest told another guest, they, they visited Great Hills and they said, hold on just a second. If you don't want people talking to you and greeting you, you probably shouldn't go there. I, I tell you, they, those people, will, they will greet you. They will smile. They will say, I haven't seen you here before. How can I help you? How can I serve? If you don't like that, don't, don't go there because it's on. They, that's what they'll do. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. Praise the Lord. It's not just our first impressions, people. It's all of our people. They, you know, I'm yet to hear anybody get mad because somebody sat in your seat. Isn't that good? Yeah. <laughs> Better not sit in my seat, you know, that's okay, isn't it? I mean, so we do. We, we invite you. Why don't you come? God bless you as the Lord leads you. Terry, won't you lead us in our song?